カスタイム今次の放送はファンによるファンのためのファン放送ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストでこの番組はフランドスパンダーやりくの財布の敵を日程を送ります<音楽>はい。Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my morpher and said, Choriki Henshin! <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. And as you can hear by the laughter, we are joined by a very special guest. It is the Kaiju no Kami himself. It is AKA Martz from Bot Talk. It's Marcos, and he's here to join us tonight. And what we're actually all getting together to discuss is Choriki Sentai O Ranger, or as they call it in English, Super Powered Squadron King Ranger. And this is the 19th Super Sentai series. This series had footage that was used in Power Rangers Zeo, if people listening are familiar with that series. And it aired from March 1995 to February 1996. There's 48 episodes in total, there's three separate movies. And basically, I mean, I, I think we're kind of doing this as the grand, encompassing, you know, free for all, shoot the shit about O Ranger. And I, I kind of did a, a cram session here where I, I watched basically the whole series. And, and the reason why we're discussing it is this whole series was released. By Shout Factory officially. So, you know, and that was, that was in May 2016. So I know we're, we're, well, I guess they announced it in May 2016, but in, in November of 2016, yeah, it was basically it was released. So I know we're, we're a little behind the curve and maybe by the time you're hearing this, it won't be quite on, on the, the heels of the DVD release. But of course, since the Kaiju no Kami's here with us, I mean, he, he did, Create his own review on、uh, his channel on YouTube of O Ranger. And of course, I, I know you were asking me about Kaku Ranger, and I'm totally like behind on that. So I have the DVDs. I think I watched like one episode, and then I totally like, you know, I, I, I did not complete my homework for that. But I know when you mentioned that you were interested in talking about O Ranger with us, I tried to set this all up and everything. And I figured, worst case scenario, I know Justin has seen O Ranger before. So I wasn't sure if I was going to get to all the episodes. And Justin was even kind enough to give me like a cheat sheet of like some of the best episodes to watch and everything, <laughs> which, which maybe I should have used. But I actually, I, I pretty much. Watched all 48 episodes and the three movies and everything, so I'd be prepared for our discussion tonight. But for anybody who's listening out there, I'm just going to go over sort of like the main basic high level overview plot of what this Super Sentai series is about. So here we go. 
600 million years ago, Pangea created a robot named Bacchus Wrath, who ultimately turned on his own creators. The King Ranger then defeated Bacchus Wrath and banished him from Earth. Then, in the year 1999, Bacchus returned to Earth as the ruler of the machine empire Baranoia, with the intention of wiping out all human life and bringing about machine rule. The chief, Mura, revived super energies that had been born of the lost civilization of Pangea with the intention of creating weapons to fight against Baranoia. The reassembling of a stone plate uncovered three years previously, the secrets of superpower were revealed. Mura built a pyramid to generate tecahedron power in order to allow five UAOH officers to transform into the O-Rangers. So that's basically the long and short of the brief setup of this series. You've got an alien invasion from a machine empire, and of course, you've got a sage kind of master character using his his scientific know-how to bestow the Super Sentai powers onto these five characters who are basically part of the Air Force in Japan. So we've got like O-Red, who is Goro Hoshino, we've got O-Green, Shohei uh, Yokachi, we've got O-Blue, who's Yuji Maita, we've got O-Yellow, Yuri Ninjo, and we've got O-Pink... Jury. Jury? I, yeah, I think, Jury. Yeah, I, I I don't know, Yuri is usually what they call her, but whatever, I don't know. Anyway, so we've got, and then we've got O-Pink... Uh, Momo, and then I think uh, uh, eventually, you know, we'll have King Ranger, which is Riki. So, yeah, so we've got basically like the the main five Rangers and everything, and then we've got the, you know, the chief, who's uh, Mura, and of course, he's a pretty famous Super Sentai actor. I mean, do you guys want to talk about like some of the places you've seen him before, as far as being like a a wise and sage character and stuff? Yeah, well, he's... um... He's the original Blue Ranger and Go Ranger, and he's also a big one in Jack. And he's also like one of my favorite common riders. He is common rider V3. Also, don't forget he's Zubat. Uh, Zubato, yeah. So you know, you know what else is funny for me? Like I, I now that I've been immersed in all this kind of common Rider tokusatsu and Super Sentai stuff. Like, now I sort of recognize his importance in those genres and everything. But you know where the first place I've seen the actor who plays Mura before is? Is from Toei Spider-Man. Because that's one of the earliest, like, I guess technically, like, quote-unquote, you know, Toei, you know, kind of proto-Sentai series that I've ever seen, right? A tokusatsu of Spider-Man. And he played Go Tachibana. So, like, to me, like, when when I see him in the the film in his cowboy outfit and everything, or, you know, like, just, just his whole demeanor and everything, like, that's actually who I think of is the guy who had the badass guitar that, like, shot people down and stuff like that. So <laughs> I, I always thought that was kind of cool, like, so. And, and then, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, too, because, like, since he has all that history, like, I, I was going to ask you guys, like, do you think, like, if this was made today, would they try to have him be like big one or have him be 
you know, the blue Go Ranger or something like that? Is that is that anything that's like a do you guys care about that? Is that a or is it just cool to have the actor, you know, play a, a main role regardless of any ties to any previous continuity or anything like that? Um I I don't know. I mean, it could go either way. They probably would do more of playing on who he who he played in the past, given the success of Gokaiger and doing it that way. But I think they'd also be able to get away with just having him appear on there. Because if you think about um, Shodruger, they had Dinah Black on there playing the father to the Green Ranger. And they didn't play up the fact that he is a past ranger or anything. Yeah, this this sort of thing is like happens. Like they'll they will often recast, you know, familiar faces. Like Jasmine from Decker Ranger had a pretty sizable row on uh, Q Ranger, and then we also had um, Maggie Yellow. He was also like a main character on GoBusters. So a lot of times, a lot of times will show up. And sometimes if like if they do like a crossover movie, they might kind of say there might be some throwaway dialogue like, "Oh, you look familiar," when like characters from different series meet or something but yeah no i i thought he was a, a cool character as far as the series goes and you know somebody that that the team could turn to in you know as far as like a mentor figure and everything you know so i i enjoyed that i just wish they actually did more with him because he really only had those two episodes in the beginning with his adopted daughter yeah yeah and that was pretty much the end of his development yeah, I yeah. thought I thought those episodes were pretty pretty well done. I mean, I know like I and we may end up talking about this in great detail and I I don't necessarily want to harp on it because I think it's just a trope of Tokusatsu and Super Sentai that they often deal with, you know, helping out little kid characters and little kids often make appearances on the show because, you know, that's sort of the age range and group that these series are being sold to, so they want to have maybe a character for the the kids to identify with or personify them in the series and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I thought the fact that he had his niece there, you know, that, that there was a familial tie, like, that didn't feel, I think, as forced to me as maybe some other instances where it's just like, hey, I'm a little kid, I'm just stopping by to say hi, like, you know, as opposed <laughs> to, you know, so, some of the other characters that, that end up making appearances, I, I thought that was you know, a, a cool episode, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, what's interesting is I, I guess maybe we can get into in, in some ways I learned cause what, what I did basically was I watched all these episodes and I tried not to spoil myself on anything by reading, you know, wikis or what have you. And then I went and watched your Kaijo no Kami review of the series as a whole. And so that's where it first dawned on me. I mean, I sort of noticed that the episodes went, you know, it the, the series starts out very dark, or at least, you know, it's it's an alien invasion. Like, I was thinking of things like, you know, War of the Worlds and, you know, like like stuff that was super right. serious and everything. And, and, I mean, it did seem pretty heavy because you've got these instances where they say, we're going to blow up a landmark or we're going to blow up a city, like, every day. 24 hours until you surrender you know and i i meant man that's i'm like that's an excellent plan like you should implement that and i bet you guys are gonna win you know and and i guess you know ultimately throughout the course of the series like certain things seem to be abandoned whether it's like a, a sort of serious dark tone or even just 
the Baranoia Empire's plan, because I, I kind of thought, you know, as you got into those next episodes after the first two, you know, episodes that sort of set up the, the premise of the series and everything, that it's going to be, you know, these five, you know, ranger characters, basically, that are enhanced with the, you know, the Chodriki, you know, Sentai powers and everything going up against the, the Machine Empire, then it seemed like all of a sudden I, I, I kind of went, well, hey, w what happened to your awesome plan about blowing up a, a city every 24 hours? It's like, it seems like you guys just forgot about that. And and I guess what I'm leading towards is I did not realize until I watched your review on YouTube that that this series was sort of, I don't know, like nerfed or manipulated or basically toned down, you know, like maybe the intention was for it to be kind of a, a super serious, heavy kind of, you know, war-torn invasion alien type storyline, but then that there were, you know, subsequent, you know, natural disasters and terrorist attacks that sort of, you know, because of the, the sort of just the the public vibe you know the 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 you know executives at the time probably wanted to not remind people of those incidents so then the series kind of has this schizophrenic feeling where you're you know in in some episodes you're dealing with screaming babies and and in other episodes you know in other episodes you're dealing with like kind of cool creepy things that remind you of like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. So, I mean, but yeah, I, I had I had no sort of concept of that until I watched your review. So I, I thought that was kind of... It, it, it sort of shed a new light. I don't know that it necessarily forgives any shortcomings I see with the series, but, I mean, it does paint it in a new light where I'm a little more forgiving than, than maybe my initial first impressions were. Because, I mean, it really did start out like, uh, to me, like a War of the Worlds type scenario, you know, like even the little, those, uh, what do they call them, the, the, the octocrafts or octofighters or whatever, like even those made me think of like the, yeah, the, the, the ships from War of the Worlds and everything. And I, I just thought, you know, a lot of those early, you know, in the first two episodes where they're kind of hovering over almost like, you know, hunter killers and Terminator over these, you know, human beings, whether they're, you know, whether they're members of the Japanese Air Force or whether it's just civilian humans and everything, you know, and, and even like, I, I guess this is something I, I kind of wanted to bring up, and I don't know if this is something that you guys noticed or not, but, and, and I don't know that necessarily the, the sensitivity of the, the creators in trying to pull back from a, a serious theme would have impacted this plot point or, you know, this idea that they dropped in the first two episodes, which I thought was really interesting, is that it seemed like in the first two episodes, when they used their powers... Like, they got all exhausted and sweaty, and, and there was this notion that, like, yes, these are good powers, and they can help us actively combat this machine invasion, but they take a toll on the user, like, that right. that, that they would, you know, have an effect on them. And, and it seems like after those first two episodes, like, that is completely abandoned. I mean, after that, it's just like, willy-nilly, they transform, and there's no consequences or anything, so... I, I I mean I I just thought those were things that I sort of found interesting as far as my my first impressions went. Yeah, I I wish they would have touched more on that, but I I just give the excuse that okay, it was because it was their first time transforming that their body just had to get used to it. 
What about you, Justin? Yeah, I like the idea of using powers taking a toll on your body. I mean, I always thought like, okay, you can transform into a higher level where you can like basically fight robots and monsters and kind of hold your own. I'm like, well, if you had that power, like, why wouldn't you use that all the time? So that right. like uh, that explanation in O-Ranger made sense because it takes a toll on your body. But, you know, like you guys said, it like, and unfortunately, we, we never saw that again. And I guess like you were saying, you know, it was just their first time or, you know, maybe like in between episode two and three, like they did like a whole lot of like a training or something and they got better. I don't know. But like as, as for like the first episode, like I kind of forgot how like quick of a pace that episode has. I mean, it's like basically nonstop action. I mean, like you have like Goro who's like on his way to like get the others, but the other four, they're like, you know, in these jets and they're shut down. And then most of the episode is like them being chased relentlessly from like one point to the next by like, you know, the shock troop goons or whatever. Like there's one part where like Momo's attacked by a snake. That's really kind of weird. <laughs> and then it's like, they're blown away by like this freak rainstorm. Which I thought was odd, it's kind of like blowing them. Like, you can tell, like, someone's got, like, a hose on them and just spraying them or whatever. But, like, then they're swinging from a vine, like Tarzan, and then O-Red shows up and saves them. But I was just like, man, this this episode is, like, really, like, I forgot, like, how quick the pace is because it's, like, basically, you know, one thing from the next, and it doesn't let up very much. Well, yeah, and, and that's also, um, if you've noticed, like, from the early 80s until mid 90s the sentai shows were basically if you take out the opening and ending they were 17 minutes long yeah it's not like today where they're running 21 minutes without the opening and closing so, so they had to go through certain aspects at a really breakneck neck pace i i also thought it was kind of funny how like it, to, to me like my my first impressions were like i i was kind of relieved almost that like if if Earth was going to be invaded by these machines and everything. Like, I felt this sense of relief where I was like, oh, well, at least, like, I, I know this sounds strange or whatever, but I was like, you know, a, a lot of the, the Super Sentai or Sentai characters, like, some of those teams that started out as either military-based, like, either they were all military members, just like this group is, or at least maybe, say, like, in terms of Jetman, at least, you know, Jetman Red, you know, one of them, you know, basically the commander and the, the command structure and, and the main, you know, leader character at least has that going for them and stuff like that. So, like, I thought that was kind of good, like, but it, it seemed funny that, like you're saying, like the the stuff with like the snakes and the girls and they're screaming and all this other kind of stuff is going on, like as they're being sort of slowly hunted down and everything. So yeah, I mean, I I did kind of notice that there were lots of sort of you know heavy things going on in the first two episodes. There was a point in episode two I just want to like talk about very briefly. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So like everyone's favorite overrated. Uh, internet boy Linkara. He's always like touting uh, Carter Grayson from Lightspeed Rescue because like, oh, Carter's so great. Like, you know, he's so awesome. He like attacked a giant monster, and like that's how great he is. And I'm just like, well, if you're a fan of Super Sentai, you know this thing happens fairly often. And we get an example of that in episode two, where like the whole team attacks a giant bar of saucer. So I'm just like, take that, Carter Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, you know what's interesting about that too is like I I started wondering like and I I think that those episodes are probably too early on for them to have changed their direction in terms of tone and everything. But like I I kept thinking about like Super Sentai as a genre and even like you know the briefest things of like. I I would be watching things sometimes, whether it was like Power Rangers or Super Sentai, and there'd be these moments where, you know, the, the, the Super Sentai characters would have their pistols, you know, and they'd bust them out and blow away the guys and this and that and the other thing. But sometimes I'd, I'd remember watching, like, Power Rangers episodes, and even, like, if my dad was just, like, walking by in the background, he'd, like, take a look at it and just be like, oh, I think it's time to bust out those blasters and, like, shoot this guy now. Like, uh, enough with the kung fu stuff or whatever, you know? And, like, a lot of the times in Sentai, like, the characters will eventually do that. And I, I thought it was kind of funny how they all do have pistols. Like, they could conceivably just shoot this thing, but... Uh, they, you know, they've got all these kind of, like, hokey-ass weapons. I mean, it's like, it, it almost reminds me of, like, when Michelangelo went from, like, nunchucks to his, like, turtle grapple thing or whatever. Because all they, the tompas in The Next Mutation. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and like, I, I just kind of thought to myself, like, I wonder if that was, like, like, to me, like, I started thinking even before I had heard your, you know, backstory of of the change in tone and direction and everything. Like, I started wondering you know, is this something related to, like, parents' groups maybe complaining about the violence in Power Rangers, where they're like, well, they'll have pistols, but we're also going to give them these sort of nameless, non-threatening weapons where they've got, you know, like, what, the Pink Ranger has, like, that shield, shield. or whatever, and it's just kind of like, yeah. That one does not make sense to me. I'm, I've all, never understood why she has a shield. Like, the sword and the axe make sense. Even the Tomfas were. The nunchucks, fine, but yeah, the shield is just like... And even in that episode, when they're attacking the monster, she's not even really doing anything with the shield, except, like, twirling it around. She's like, and I'll use my shield. I don't know, maybe she was just a big, like, Captain America fan, or or maybe they just didn't have, like, the budget to, like, make another episode. They're like, uh, here's your shield. What? <laughs> don't I get, like, a weapon? No. So I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, do you guys have any particular horse in the race as far as the main O-Ranger characters? Like, do you have a particular favorite character, like somebody who stands out to you as your Carter Grayson in this Super Sentai series? For O-Ranger, Momo would end up being my favorite because she is the only one that really had any sort of development among the main five. Because you had that episode when she goes back to her hometown and she's attacked by the pirate Barra monster who starts sending her into like a type of weird movie universe. And then we had the episode, which was my favorite of the show, where with the uh, Barra nightmare when she was getting dreams of her friend who went missing 10 years ago. And we had some more development of her there. So she would be the one that is my favorite because she's the only one that really seemed to do something over just being there. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like that, that episode you're talking about, like episode 32, like I yes. think it's called like the school's nightmare or something like that's, that's probably like my favorite episode out of the series. And 
when I made my cheat sheet for Derek, I included that. I was like, this is optional. I just think it's like a really great and creepy episode. But but yeah, like I, I really like Momo. I think like she's my favorite. I, I remember looking to see because I was trying to have a frame of reference because I was like, this really reminded, you know, Bear and Nightmare totally reminded me of Freddy Krueger. So I was like, what what kind of, you know, like, I'm like, what frame of reference are we dealing with here? So I just wrote a note down where I was like, well, the, the episode that Justin's referring to, that, that episode 32 of this series, like that took place or was aired October 20th, 1995. So that was about a year after, for, for Freddy Krueger fans' frame of reference, that was about a year after Wes Craven's New Nightmare was in theaters. So, I mean, you know, obviously, like, it's it's so something that, that sort of, you know, did not precede Freddy. It, it sort of followed in its footsteps and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, I, I thought that was pretty enjoyable for, for the most part. Like, I, I sort of remember being very on the edge of my seat because I, I I kind of thought that like at some point she was going to rip off those those red you know shawls that were covering all the girls and I thought for sure like one of them would be like this charred Aunt Beru skeleton or something under there you know what I mean because I was like man this can't all be like happy happy joy joy type stuff you know but I, I think for the the change in tone and direction usually even though they might have hinted at some really horrible outcomes it looks like for the most part they would kind of end on a happy note right that one and the other thing i love about that episode though is that it's one of the few episodes after they get their mechs to not have a mech battle the mechs do not show up one bit in that one so i i think i'm gonna have to uh red puncher box you guys though because i i think my first impression is i I, I'm not a big fan of Momo, so I, I, I like O Yellow better. So so you guys can, you know, beat me up later. Boo, get or out of here. I know, I know. But like but uh, she's I mean, a, she's as deep as paper. I think well for <laughs> me, like I, I kinda took her as like especially in the first episode, she seemed to be the one like kind of at least to to Momo, like, you know, even though they're both like screaming and doing stupid shit, it seemed to be like she was trying to keep her shit together and stuff like that. And of course, I think I will point to episode 23 as my favorite episode where she is in like swimsuits with Momo. And that's like the whole crux to the story. It's like a total like fan service episode, but of course oh, yeah. that's, that's like right up my alley. I loved it when like my favorite, I laughed my ass off when it's like, it's like she, she takes off like the one outfit and then she's got a swimsuit underneath. Cause the whole plot is like the, the, you know, machine empire, you know, whatever his name is, you know, Barra, you know, hypnosis or whatever, basically. It's like he zaps whoever's wearing, like, certain clothes or something, and then it, right. like, and makes them, you know, they, they, they start acting like they're dressed or whatever the, the deal is. And it's like, so she's got all these layers on, so it's like, basically, he can't change her. And then he thinks he's got her down to, like, the, the bathing suit. And he's like, now I have you, like, I'm going to zap you. And then she takes off the bathing suit and you think like she's like butt naked or whatever and I'm like oh this is awesome and then of course it turns out she's got like even a skimpier bathing suit underneath there but it still was it still was pretty awesome like I, I did I did totally dig that and they, anytime like her and Momo like get into cat fights over like who likes who better or something or like when they're in the dressing rooms and they're like they both come out in the same red dress and then Momo's like yeah whatever old lady like she's like who 
who you call an old lady? You know, like, so I, I thought that was kind of funny. I, I did read a bunch of stuff, and I don't know how true it is, but, like, apparently, I guess the actress who plays Momo was, like, uh, the equivalent of, like, a an MTV VJ, and she was, like, really, really popular or whatever. So, like, it, it sounded like, I, I don't know, the way some of the, the articles I read on the internet, which, of course, you can take with a grain of salt, because I don't know how much truth there is to it, but... What? It, you mean the internet lies? Yeah, it, it could totally lie sometimes. But, like, you know, I, I'm I'm taking it with a grain of salt, but what I thought was interesting was they, they sort of mentioned how she was kind of a diva and was demanding more money and, and that kind of thing, I guess, based on her popularity. But, like, I, I thought it was funny because then I went and watched or rewatched because I hadn't seen it in a long time, the Go Kyger episode that had the tribute to O-Ranger, you know, where they've got the captain and Momo there, you know, like both, you know, kind of representing O-Ranger and everything and, and bestowing the grand power to the Go Kaijers. And I went, well, she's in that. Like, uh, did she make some kind of diva demand for more money to, I mean, she appeared in it. It's not like, I, I, I don't know enough about it but was there ever a case where they asked her to do something and she's like no fuck this i'm a vj i'm too important to do it <laughs> like i i don't know you know but like i just from what i have seen i'm like i i don't see her bowing out of anything but i don't know if you guys know right. any different or not i know nothing on that one yeah i never heard that before but like you you telling that story like now in my head i have like Visions of like Carson Daly becoming a Red Ranger or something, and <laughs> it weirds me out. It's like I, I think I think if I was gonna have somebody be a Red Ranger, it'd be like Steve Isaacs because I thought he was like super cool or whatever. Because I saw him in the Tommy musical and I thought he was badass, but whatever. But but um, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I was like I was like what? So you mean like Momo went on to be like Kennedy uh, or whatever, like one of these MTV VJs or something. So I, I thought that was kind of strange, but like, yeah, I, I totally, I, I like, um, um, jury, you know, Oh yellow or whatever. And I, I, I would often find myself, you know, totally like, you know, looking up her skirt or whatever as she was like fighting and stuff. I don't know. I guess I'm just an old perv or whatever, but you know, <laughs> like I was like, I was like totally all about, um, Oh yellow, like all, all the time I was watching that show. Um, and then, you know, as far as, like, some of the other characters, I mean, I, I think the captain's a pretty, you know, stand-up guy. I think Goro's pretty pretty cool. I, I did remember kind of wondering or fearing if some of the other characters would have been either lost on me or bland. But I, I think the moment I noticed, um, oh, green, basically, like, Shohei, like, was when they did the episode where they, they were she. Uh, the boxing one yeah the boxing one where they they talk about you know they, they, it's like he's tr training and they meet his old master and they're trying to get you know red puncher ready and everything so i thought that was pretty cool yeah that that was like the only episode that i think shohei had any sort of backstory or anything and i mean even yuji the only time we really learn anything about him is when he's just like oh i wish i had a little brother way back in the fifth episode but I did, I did think Yuji had that standout episode with Baro Revenger, the the pile of junk that came to life. That one was a pretty cool episode, especially when you get to see Bacchus Wrath just like be all, all out vicious. But yeah, some some seasons they strike that balance of giving every character 
pathos and motivation and backstory and then sometimes they just totally they're just like all right we're gonna focus on the red ranger one of the girls and the sixth ranger and that's it yeah especially usually a lot of times blue and yellow get the shaft Uh uh-oh blue and yellow getting the shaft what did i walk into (laughs) oh you missed a whole lot yeah didn't i you know, you know what my my favorite part of your review was when you went over the whole episode where they were basically trying to make like you know the the mothers fall in love with their refrigerators or technology oh. or whatever, and like when you're like checking out like your your smartphone and your tablet and like you don't know which one to pick, and then all of a sudden you're like doing a three way with both of them, like that cracked <laughs> me up, man. That was funny. Oh, it was- Oh, it was funny because that ta- the tablet was my girlfriend's. Uh, so okay. when she sees the video, she just starts looking at me like, "What did you do to my <laughs> tablet?" It was super funny. Like that that was that was that was my favorite bit of that that episode and everything. I, I you know like that's that's one of those episodes where like you know you talk about like the tones going back and forth like. Uh, that one I thought was like straight up like Benny Hill shit, like where you know I thought you could play the Benny Hill theme in the background with them running around and acting all kooky and stuff, you know, because it's like that, and then you get like you know the one you're talking about with like the screaming babies and stuff, and you know, so it's like there's all that kind of stuff going on, but then like then then like you get kind of heavy stuff still with the whole like. The, the one where they have like the the Pinocchio robots where they like they try to plant those those you know cute little robots and you mm-hmm. know it's like oh yellow almost brings in the robot that like blows up the whole base and they're like what the fuck's the matter with you and it's like oh he was so cute he said to come like bring him to the base like, well yeah what? you'll have you'll have that and then there's um what we do we go Pinocchio we go to it goes the Pinocchio one. Then it does the Barra Revenger, that's the pile of junk one. Then we have the episode where they are uh, with the monster that brings the kids from the future. Mm. And and when they're like, oh, we're going to kill the rangers from the past. And it just shows the rangers in uh, caveman wear. Well, see, that that I was that that I was all about because Oyelo was dressed up like a cave lady like Raquel Welch. So I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And then the then after that we had that two parter with the father and the son. See that that's an interesting one because because like you feel like if this show had stayed on track, like if they had actually kept with the dark tone, like it would have ended with the the boy robot Shiguru like merging with like the mad scientist Doctor Savannah type guy and then they yeah. would have like blown him up and that would have been it. Like they'd all cry because the the Shiguru like, you know, basically like, you know, sabotages him from within the merged crazy hentai monster that he turns into or whatever. And then and then the you know, basically the the old Rangers pull out their big cannon and blow it the fuck away and that's the end of it. But it's like it seems like that's what happens, but then like at the very and tacked on it's like oh guess what he's okay like everything's cool you know it's just like i can see their parachutes they're okay yeah yeah so have you guys do you guys want to talk about like the the machine empire in detail at all like you know yeah wait i i didn't get to talk about my favorite character oh Oh, yeah okay go go for it my favorite character is i was joking with them earlier he was totally edited out of 
uh, Power Rangers Zeo. My favorite character, of course, is Paku. How can you not like Paku? The little green, like, he looks kind of like a baby, <laughs> like, Velociraptor. And he, all, here's his line. Paku! Very, it's like Pikachu can, like, alter the, the, the tone of its voice. And you can say, like, oh, Pikachu's happy, sad, angry. Well, that's that's what Paku does. You know, you know, Paku, Paku is, Paku is an Academy Award winning actor. Did you see that clip where he was crying and the tears were streaming down his little <laughs> little eyes and everything? Come on, man. Baku is like and, intense. He's he's part of that whole he's part of that whole dark tone that they abandoned, man. <laughs> How about that complete the complete emotional range that Doran could provide? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were kind of hard on her. I felt bad because I'm like, come on, man, she's just a little girl. Like, what do you, you know? <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, that that was that, I I that moment where like Paku's like got the tears streaming down. I was like, that's awesome. That's the greatest thing ever. But yeah, the Machine Empire. Like, I I really like the Empire paranoia as the bad guys. What I like is that they change over time. Mm-hmm. And this seems to be something that they're doing a lot more often in the newer Sentai series where like you'll have like a you'll start out with one set of villains and then some will die off and then some will like turn eve or turn good or whatever. But then like midway through, like some of them will get killed off and some of them will replace others. And here, you know, you start out with like Prince Bulldunk, who's like this little short, annoying Ugh. shit. And then he becomes badass Kaiser Bulldog, and I was like, "Dude, like he he grew up, and he's awesome." Except that he married his cousin. Yeah, well, I I did have that whole like double take where I was like, "Wait, didn't they just say like that the mother is her aunt?" And I was like, "Doesn't that make them cousins?" And then I went, "But they're fucking How can robots." robots yeah, I know that's what I was saying. I was like, "But they're fucking robots." So like, what? Who gives a shit? <laughs> What a crazy pair, but they're cousins. One pair of matching bookends, different as night and day. But they're cousins. Well, it's, you gotta think about it also, because technically Bacchus Wrath created his own wife and son, so his wife is his daughter, too. Like a whole, like, <laughs> Greek mythology thing going on here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I like the way that they're done. Bacchus Wrath, I like how vicious he was at times. Except the one thing that I didn't mention this in my review, and it kind of I kind of wish I had, but Bacchus Wrath has this really huge revenge, wants to get revenge on King Ranger, and then in Bacchus Wrath's final battle, King Ranger is nowhere to be found. Yeah, that would sort of negate his whole reason for being, I suppose. I did. Yeah. I did kind of like get tired of a bomber the great. Like I was like, okay, we we've seen your stick. Like let's let's kill you off or, or do something with. <laughs> I you. thought kinda, uh, you know you know who bomber the great reminded me of every time I saw him because he's a he basically he's a missile like he's a giant bomb like. I, I kept thinking of Filmation Hordak. You know how Filmation Hordak like morphs into a <laughs> rocket most of the time. Like so, I was like, oh, this is totally like Hordak. Like he, you know, he's like the new kid. On, you know, it's like Skeletor is the established villain, just like you know the paranoia. You know, you've got you know Bulldog or or you know the the Emperor. You know, and everything like that. You know, you got Barris Wrath. You know, so then and they're like you know representative of the status quo. But then all of a sudden, it's like we got you know the Horde and we. Got 
got Hordak, and he turns into, like, a, a missile. And, like, I thought, you know, like, for me, I was like, man, that, that sequence where, like, once once the O-Rangers take out Bacchus Wrath, and then there's that whole challenge of, like, oh, who's going to rule the machine Baranoia Empire? Like, I thought that was some straight-up Game of Thrones shit he pulls on them. You know, Bomber the Great's like, like, I'm going to fuck you up in front of your mother, and then I'm going to kill your ass and chop off your head, and then I'm going to send your mother to space. You know, and I was just like, man, that's that's some straight-up <laughs> fucking Game of Thrones shit, where they're like, oh, yeah. No! You, know, you could say that Kocha and Acha were a uh, little finger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I love Acha and Kocha. Like, they crack me up, like, every episode. I'm like, when are they going to show up? Because, like, I, I really dig them, man. They crack me up. They're funny. <laughs> I, I was like, to me, I was like, those are the whole, you know, grow big and strong, okay? Like, I like that that translation of it. I, I'm sure yeah. in some of the fan subs it's not always the same, because I noticed in, like, some of the translations I watched where they do the movies, it's not quite the same. But I, right. I, I did get I did get a kick out of the way it was translated on the, the official Shout Factory DVDs and everything, because that's all I could think of when I think of those guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, I, I enjoy, for the most part, I enjoy Baranoia. I like a lot of the monsters of the week i really like the two the cactus brothers that bacchus wrath just like tore to shreds yeah that that was kind um, of early on so they were still doing that like kind of heavy dark shit yeah. where he's like he's like oh you like your brother well what if i kill your fucking brother you know and i was like <laughs> whoa like that's that's pretty intense yeah and then um when i was first watching the show i was really surprised with the way they handled kaiser Boldent. And even like the last four episodes, when it's or the last two episodes, when they essentially took over the world, and when when the Rangers come back and uh, hysteria is all gray instead of gold, that was all. That was some pretty cool stuff that they did. Am I yeah. am, am I a weirdo? Like like I I was sitting there watching that, and I I know they're not connected whatsoever. But when I saw like Bulldog junior like you know how it's like a silver baby and he's kind of got like the little mm -hmm. blue highlights and everything like I, I i kept thinking of wars gill like from go you know go kaiger because i was like what <laughs> i was like what if bulldog junior like grows up to be wars gill or something like because they're they're kind of they kind of have like the same tonality or whatever like i'm sure in some some obscene slash fanfic or something that I could come up with. Like I'd make some, some crazy continuity tie in to, uh, to, to make that kid grow up to be Wars Gill or whatever. So, well, here we go. A gun Majin and his ineptitude accidentally loses the baby on it. Uh, <laughs> when you're traveling space and Bacchus or what? Oh, I can't think of his name now the father but he finds the baby and raises it to be his son waters nice <laughs> you know what else i wanted to talk about because I, I all i can think of is the the fantastic four episode where magneto gets tricked by the wooden gun like because when <laughs> when i saw that one episode where where you, you're talking about like this this oh blue like stand out or whatever and to me like the standout episode for him was the one where they go to that village and they're like we've built this robot and it's made of oh, wood yeah. and i was like <laughs> a robot made of wood you know because like, i was like are you serious <laughs> like how 
Is that even possible? Like, if you if you're a fan of like rear screen projection, like that episode has like tons and tons of it. Like, it's it's kind of obscene. <laughs> you know, it's also funny. Um, from that episode, um, people talk about this for for my review of how the jiggy with its song just fits so well with the training of Ulrich. Of a what you call O Ranger Robo and um, Red Puncher. First, first I was like super judgmental because I'm like, what? They're making the robots dance. And then when I saw the two girls were doing like jazzercise with them, I'm all, oh okay, that's okay, guys. I get it. I get it now. It's cool. I totally get it. You know, that's totally fine. But yeah, the uh, yeah, what's his name? Bomber the Great. It's weird because if he it feels like he's lit there longer than he is because he's really only there for like six episodes, but it just feels like he's there for ten or ten to fifteen. Did the the standard foot soldiers, the the Barra soldiers, who I I can't help, I I still have the Power Ranger Zio thing going on. I I constantly called them cogs when I, I wrote down my notes or jotted down my notes. But, like, I I guess now that, again, you know, being exposed to more science fiction material than I have been before, like, I, I kind of thought now, I was like, man, the cogs kind of owe, owe a lot to Doctor Who's Cybermen to me, like, it seemed like, you know, like, they, they kind of are these, you know, robotic, soldier type characters or whatever i mean they they seem to be kind of badass when they first show up and then they kind of just turn oh into, yeah turn into morts as the series goes on oh yeah well one thing i noticed about the what i compared it to is that i the way old rangers was rich to me makes me think that this was a series to say that our old traditional ways of thinking are being replaced by machine and technology and that's one thing that really makes the show actually stand out a little bit higher than I initially thought when I thought about that whole concept of technology being used. I mean, these machines are coming to Earth to destroy it. And was it, it was just like a social commentary on the way the world was going at that time. So I know I'm trying to think of um, what's her name? Karen? Karen? Like the the chick who shows oh. up that's like human at first, but then she made me feel like super uncomfortable when she turned into like her machine <laughs> mode, and she's got like these, she's got she shoots like shit out of her metal boobs and like starts spraying <laughs> crap out of her cooch and stuff. I was just like, what is going on with this lady? Like, like yeah, I don't know. It was really strange. Yeah, the uh, the lady who runs the like techno organic farm that is only seen once. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is it was pretty cool getting getting that actress back because I believe this is her last Sentai role that she's in after this series. What did she appear in before? She was Gara in Die Ranger. She was in Live Man as Dr. Mazenda. And I'm trying to think of there was another show she appeared in that I can't think of off the top of my head. I mean that's that's another example of something like I think those those three episodes were on your you know recommended viewing Justin you know because it, I, I assumed at the time because it heavily dealt with King Ranger but like that that's something that maybe if the show had kept its dark tone like who knows like maybe it really like King Ranger really would have been 
Barra King, because it seems like by the time that whole thing's wrapped up, it's like everything's sort of back to status quo, and you've got, you know, you know, Ricky and Doran, and they're all happy, and this and that and the other thing, but it's like, what if, what if he had really turned into a monster and, like, you know, ate Doran or whatever, you know, like, like, what if it, it got all, like, dark and heavy and stuff, and then, and then as, as dessert, he, he would eat, um, <laughs> Achi, Achi. <laughs> Uh, paku paku, <laughs> tastes delicious. No, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see him roasting him first over an open flame, and, and then, then, and then he's, he's doing the tears as he's being roasted. He's like, oh. <laughs> "You're a monster." <laughs> well, I will say that even though King Ranger, I felt his premiere was the highlight of his character because they didn't really do too much with him, which is kind of disappointing. I am glad on the other side that they didn't overuse him. Because the one problem I have with a lot of Sentai today is that the six rangers, they come in all powerful, and then they just become the same weakling, or I guess not weakling, but they get the same weaknesses that all the regular rangers get for the rest of the series. Well, I mean, you can't really say that about the whole pyramid or like mech you know because that thing's just like super intimidating and like you know it's like the <laughs> largest thing ever so like it's i freaking I, pyramid yeah. it's awesome yeah no no no. but i'm just saying it's it's obviously like every time you see it on the screen i mean you know regardless of of the whole you know the ratings of the show were in the toilet versus they they introduced like 10 million fucking mechs so that they could bump up all the toy sales to make up the difference like regardless of that like I, I was like the the pyramider and and I, I kind of like Red Puncher. I mean, as far as those go, you know, Red like Puncher's I, not bad. You know, the like, one so. I hate the most is Tack Don Boy, as I call him. <laughs> yeah, what the the little the little wheel guy or whatever. Yeah, he fit better with Car Ranger than O Ranger. Do you have any any favorites as far as the mechs go, Justin? I like O Ranger Robo and Red Puncher. The others, I'm not crazy about it all to be honest like king pyramider is kind of i don't know he's kind of it's just like a basically he's like a block in his robot mode like i don't really care for him i don't i don't like o blocker either and I, I, I don't know it just is weird to me and what's weird is like i had like the red blocker like the zeo version of that toy and i like that toy i just i don't care for like the combined version yeah i'm not a fan of o blocker it just it's it's kind of weird because after King Pyramider, it seems like they just stepped away from mythology for the mechs. Like even though Red Puncher wasn't fully mythology, he was the prototype to O Ranger Robo. So I can get past that, but O Blocker, there's just nothing at all to me that screams this is part of mythology like the rest of the show was going with for their powers. I, I thought it was like kind of lame how they would they would shoot all those guys out and, and all the rangers had their individual mechs and I know I get it they they wanted to sell five toys right but like it, it was absolutely pointless unless they were combined because they would show up there'd be five of them and then like my, one of my favorite I guess machine empire 
monsters of the week or whatever was Bear a Hunter, you know, because you had a cool face off between O-Red and Bear a Hunter. And like he kind of, to me, he kind of looked like Briarios from Appleseed. Like he had that kind of mono eye and everything. And I, oh, I yeah. you know, I, I thought like he looked pretty cool and deadly and everything, but like that's the whole point. It's like the, the, the blocker robos show up and Bear Hunter's just like, smack, 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 come here, smack, smack, come here. Oh, you, you're, you're, you're yellow, you're cute, Derek likes you, smack, you know, and it's just like, they, they all get their asses kicked until they merge into, you know, like the, the, the main, you know, old blocker or whatever. So I was like, well, you guys are all worthless unless you're merged. Like, you might as well merge to begin with because you can't really do anything or whatever. Yeah, that was a pretty cool episode, though, because that was the one where King Ranger had to wield that sword and and where his face went into uh, an Akuma-type face when the Rangers were going to be executed. Yeah, where where they yeah he he had like they were all captured and they were gonna be executed mm-hmm. and stuff yeah that was all pretty cool you, you know what else I want to talk about and I, I I you you mentioned them in your review so you'll know the name of the the poor Japanese family who has the worst luck in the world but like <laughs> in in my notes in my notes I kept calling them the the Japanese Jason Alexander family. Because that guy looks like a Japanese version of Jason Alexander from Seinfeld to me. Like, yeah, I guess. He, what's funny is um, Nita, because it's the Nita family, he plays the commander in Mega Ranger. Like, yeah, he, he is, yeah, that family, you, you feel so bad for him because, like, they just appear in that episode with the, uh, what you call it, the, the bear monster that just wants to eat basically all their food. And then they just kept reoccurring. For, and every time it was like, oh, what's gonna happen to them this time? Yeah, and then and then there were like the the sequences where like either either the kids were were trying to get killed by some of the machine, you know, invaders into their homes, or like there was the one episode where the guy comes in and like eats them out of like house and home, like literally, because yes. it's like it's <laughs> like they keep giving them like trays of sushi and plates of of whatever you know tempura or whatever they had and then it's like and then and then he gets into their sake and like all kinds of stuff so i was like oh yeah yeah like like and it was one of those things where it it, it did kind of get amusing like i guess that's part of the tonal shift you know because i think if it had stayed with a dark tone like you know those those families would be murdered and you'd never see them again or whatever or they'd be (laughs) they'd be made to work in the machine empire's gulag and it'd be treated with some kind of seriousness but in this sense it's just like oh (laughs) it's a wacky visitor of the week it's like three's company with alien invaders you know like and and it's not like super heavy or anything so you know it's it's that kind of schizophrenia that this this show seems to have you know yeah the tone is very polarizing at times you're just like but we we were just like going in this really great drama and now i've got this going on what screaming babies what Although, well, I I will say I did like um, I do like the the one scene though that was comedic for Baranoia was when they had the sleeping monster and Bacchus Wrath is faking he's sleeping and Hysteria just drop kicks him. Yeah, she's like, you can't fake sleeping. You're a robot. <laughs> 
I, I was just wondering, like, if you, because I know we're talking about, like, the tonal shifts, but, like, do you guys want to talk about sort of, like, that that final, like, four-parter that kind of actually, where they're like, oh, yeah, remember when we said we were going to blow up a city every, like, 48 hours, and we were going to, like, invade the Earth? Let's get back to that, you know? And they, like, finally remember, like, they're there to invade the Earth and take over. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, because that, I was like, dude, they, they, it's like, they finally, like, remembered what they were here to do. It only took, like, you know, the... the 44 episodes. Yeah, the, the Emperor had to die, we had to put up with bomber the greats bullshit and then all of a sudden we've got you know uh, kaiser bulldog you know like you know wrecking shop and taking names and everything who i i thought he kind of like having just come off of you know i i guess i'm happy or pleased with myself because i'm like this is this marks for me personally this is the seventh super sentai series i have seen to completion O-Ranger, but I just came off of watching the entirety of Jetman, and I, I kind of thought Bulldog had like a like an Emperor Transa kind of oh arc. yeah you know what i mean mm, like yeah, like how yeah, they, they yeah. both they both start out as kind of like you know i mean you, you can take it as you will but i mean essentially if you wanted to look at the kind of the the simplest version you know they both start out as kind of bratty whiny kids you know and then they kind of you know grow or you know be- become more adult and everything and and kind of take their role as as leader of the group and everything it seems like for for Bulldog anyway like he he maintains that you know to the finality of the series but you know as far as you know transa it's a little different but but i i thought they were similar you know like and and so like i kind of thought that was kind of cool i mean as far as the last arc like multiva i know i know we were kind of you know talking about the whole cousins thing and their robots and all that kind of stuff but even even that like is the is the lady who plays the human version of multiva like somebody famous or somebody special or something all I know is that she has played. She was uh one the one of the kids of the week in Kamen Rider Black. She played the human form of a monster of the week in Turbo Ranger, and she's been in a bunch of other Toku series. I don't know if there's anything, or I didn't see anything when I was looking it up that was big about her. I was just like, like I, I don't mean to be mean, but I'm like, is she related to somebody? Because she doesn't look that... I'm like, I know they're all supposed to be fawning over her in her human form and, like, you know, basically, like, you know, love hypnosis or whatever. But I was just like, she's not all that. <laughs> I was no. like, what are you guys tripping over yourselves for? But And you know. and, and also when my first... I'm seeing her first in black when she's, like, 10 years old. It kind of put... <laughs> for me, I'm kind of like... That's Kind of oh, it, it put like a weird tone on it. That that reminds me of in the the movie when the the poor girl is what's that that creepy dude's name? The here, let me find it because I know I put it in my notes somewhere because it creeped me the, the hell out. The Cocker Ranger versus movie. Yeah, it was like it was like um. Oh, here it is. Piggyback ghost is what they call yes. him on the wiki. I was like, man, that gets like real fucking creepy, really fucking fast. Like, especially when it turns into that human form to the girl in when they're yeah, yeah when the, when they're on that when they're on that like that that amusement park ride or whatever, and he's like coming for her. I was just like, ah, like that. Yeah, that was that was wow. Yeah, it's all I was waiting for him to do is start breaking out. Sweet transvestite. <laughs> That that movie though kind of you know makes no sense. It's like a DBZ movie, 
Like, it's like, <laughs> no, it's it, like doesn't. it doesn't, it doesn't fit anywhere. You know, it's like, it, but whatever. The, I think that having the two teens at the end is really what ultimately saves that, makes that movie watchable. Like I'll give them some leeway because it was like their first versus movie. But there, there does not seem to be any consistency in quality. And why would you do a, a Wild West scene with the Cocker Rangers and not have Jiraiya there? Why? Since, since I've not seen Cocker Ranger, I can't speak to it. But if, if Justin has anything to say, I'll, I'll let him have his piece. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have time to rewatch any of the movies, so, like, my memories of, like, the Versus movie and the O-Ranger movie are, like, really kind of scant. Yeah, you know, the the, the only thing I have, like, sort of strong memories of, and, and then when I reviewed it before we did this was, because I've always liked Car Ranger, and, like, one of the earliest like fan sub things I watched was Car Ranger versus O Ranger, you know, despite never having seen, you know, the O Ranger series until Shout Factory released it. But it's funny because though though that was done by like the same group, the the Senator or whatever, that group that like subtitled mm-hmm. Beast Wars Second and Neo and all those things, you know. So I was like, uh, I was waiting for somebody to be like Asswipe or whatever, you know, like something stupid like that, but. You know that that kind of brought back some memories and stuff, but yeah, I, I I don't know if you guys have anything as far as like you know the maybe the final episodes or whatever. Like if you've got any like sort of additional things you want to cover or last thoughts or anything. But I'm um, you know basically I'm I'm kind of I, I think I've said my piece on O Ranger. I mean as far as my my likes, I mean you know so, some of the stuff you know like I thought. I thought it had a lot of interesting concepts that just weren't ever fully fleshed out and realized. So, I mean, I, I'd say this is this is not a bad series, but it, it's definitely not one of the greats either. I think it's kind of kind of average, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's for me. O Ranger stands out more because of its camera work and its music. Those are just truly top notch and spectacular. And I think if it didn't have that. I, it would be more up on the worst side of the Sentai series for me. But I think those two aspects are really what saves it. It's it, There's a lot of great ideas in the show. It's just, as you said, that a lot of it is wasted. Gunmajin, I felt, was was a complete waste of time because what's the point of having a guy who will grant wishes if he can pick and choose his wishes? Well, he he didn't want to do that shit. It didn't amuse him. <laughs> but yeah, I I I'm glad it's been released. I'm glad to own it. I will take it over a lot of the Sentai series released in the last 10 years. But as a whole, if I were to rank it, it would probably be closer to like 18, 19 or 20 probably. Yeah, I I agree with your guys' opinion. I I like the series, but you know, Having watched it a couple of times now, I'm kind of like being and looking at it with more of like a critical eye. Like I, I can see its flaws. I, I still enjoy it, but like, is it, is it in my top ten? No. Like, do I, do I think it's awful? No. Um, but like, if what I would say is, if, if you're a fan of, you know, Power Rangers or especially Power Rangers Zio, then I would recommend picking up the, the series on DVD just so you can kind of like see the. The original, you know, unfiltered, un, 
butchered version so you can kind of experience that but like you know if you were to ask me like for like a really strong like recommendation of a series to start with like i wouldn't recommend this one um i mean there are definitely series i'd recommend first but i would say if someone started with this series though it would be a good it would be a good one to just get them introduced because there might be things that they will enjoy a lot more being if it were to be their first Sentai series compared to someone who has watched many series beforehand. There's there's a lot of, of mechs and things to keep track of probably. Like didn't this didn't this show like hold the title at one point for having like the most like, toy sales? Yeah. Well not even toy sales, but just like didn't this like have the until like a certain point, didn't this show have like the most mechs in a single show or something like that? Um, uh, yeah, I think until Sheikinger. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, man, there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff in there. But yeah, I, I, you know, like it's, there, there, obviously there were things I took great pleasure in watching this, the show, you know, there's, there's good fights. I think like, like Marcos was saying, like some of the production value of all the locations and everything, the way things are shot, where that where they're at, like you know these kind of like Niagara Falls esque locations, you know, like all yep. these really scenic, you know, beautiful locations and shots and stuff. So I mean, there's 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 pluses for for a lot of that stuff, you know. It's just every once in a while you go into kind of like the you know baby crying on a factory or something like that and you're just kind of like well you know yeah there's there's episodes like that to contend with so it kind of lowers the whole appeal of the show i guess it's funny because i was looking at graphs where they were trying to extrapolate basically like here's the line graph for the ratings of all these super sentai series and here's the line graph for all the toy sales and what's like hilarious is in some cases you know the ratings were equal to the toy sales or whatever like they both had you know maybe average ratings and average toy sales but for this particular show it's like they're completely counter it's like the toy sales were through the fucking roof and the ratings were like pretty much up until a certain point like the low that Super Sentai yeah. had ever had. It was until Go Busters, it was the lowest rated Sentai show of all time. Wow. See, that that's weird too, because I mean, like like we're saying, like I, I mean I, I kind of think of it as kind of an average show, but I, I didn't think it was so terrible that it's like, you know, like if somebody you know, if they had some clickbait article where it was like, see the lowest rated fucking show of all time for Sentai, <laughs> you know, click here or whatever, and you're just like, Oh, I'm curious, you know, and then it turns out to be O Ranger, you might be like, Well, that's that's kinda weird. Like, I mean it wasn't you know, you're like, it's not horrible. It's it's just you know, it it it, it had like like we're saying, it's got some really cool ideas. They're not ever yeah, you know, some some of them are realized. I mean, I'd say like Bulldog to Kaiser Bulldog is something that's fully yeah. realized, you know. Like, but but there's 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 a lot of other stuff that kind of just gets swept under the rug, and and maybe like you know to to me, I guess now I I I have a more forgiving uh, heart about it because you know like you you know in your own review, you know, you mentioned the the correlation between the the real life events that were going on that maybe kind of you know, massaged the the original intent of the creators too, you know? So it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't all their own fault, you know? Yeah, from my understanding, what I read is that it was basically the changing tones that turned viewers off from the show. 
Now, one interesting thing um, that about the show is so the first seven episodes, episode thirty-two, and the last four episodes were were done by the guy who did Jude Ranger, Die Ranger, and Kaka Ranger, Sugimura. So that's kind of interesting. Maybe it's why those episodes kind of stand out a little more, or have that yeah. most of, likely, you know, feel there. You know, where we're. I, I mean, I think we've all kind of mentioned some of those episodes at some point as ones that oh, yeah. we've been, you know, more engaged in than than some of the, you know, sort of, you know, more frivolous episodes. I guess is the bet. You know, the nicest way to put it. So. I mean, and I guess that makes sense because I'm sure in a lot of those other Sentai shows, we probably were engaged in, in that series, you know, those series much more than consistently. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess unless, unless anybody has anything else to, uh, to discuss for O-Ranger tonight, I think I will take this opportunity to wrap us up. But before we do our sign off and everything, I, I just want to give our guest the Kaiju no Kami Marcos, an opportunity. Like, where where can people find you out there on the interweb, sir? And and what should they be looking for to check out more of your kaiju no kami goodness? Well, you can find me at YouTube. I also have a Twitter page, Patreon page, and then I'm on various forums under various names. Marcos Kane is what I go on on social media for Facebook. Let's see what else. What else? What else? Are you, are you still Doctor Kane anywhere? Yeah, I still go by Dr. Kane on a lot of sites, ones I haven't banned on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Twitter's just at Kaiju no Kami. I've also done a bunch of convention coverage for like Denver Comic Con and some anime conventions. Cool, yeah. I mean, like we've, I know I've seen a lot of the videos and everything. The only stuff I haven't been watching is stuff where I, you know, I'm trying not to spoil myself on because maybe I haven't seen the the series completely like Kaku Ranger or I, I know I've never seen Kamen Rider Blade before so I was I was gonna I was gonna hold off on on watching those until maybe I watched the series myself yeah I, I try to avoid spoilers as much as I can but some part some things it just you, there's some aspects you just can't avoid talking about when you're trying to review it because you're like well if I don't want to spoil this I can't talk about this other character Right, right. No, I, I, I enjoyed, like, a lot of your Halloween stuff that came out this year. I know you, between you and, like, several other podcasts, like the Vault of Startling Horror Monster Tales of Terror, it basically gave me the incentive to watch Trick or Treat or Trick R Treat, I guess is the best way to put it, because there's so many movies with the Trick or Treat name, but, like, that was the first time I had seen that uh, sort of anthology film, and it was based on, like, when you did, like, your... Yeah, I think you did a like a top, the top 10, ten list and everything. So I was like, oh man, well, you know, you were talking about it, and this other podcast was talking about it. Who, you know, I have good friends on who have been guests on the show before. So I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. So it's like, there's, there's lots of cool things. I mean, that that you can check out over there on the the Kaiju no Kami website. So I, I enjoy watching the videos, and usually I get a hearty laugh out of you know you know, a lot of your bits and, and gags and everything. So I, I enjoy it a great deal. The Robagra commercial I did. For... Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. From, from the makers of, what, what did you say? Because you, you tied it into that other gag where it was like, body yeah, that, spray. yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I like that. 
And it was also my first little practice at stop motion in one moment. Yeah. That that was with the that was stop motion with the Galvatron. No, with the one of the Monster High Robacas, oh, I have okay. stop motion for when she turns her hand. Okay, cool, cool. All right, well, I I think that's gonna take us out then. And of course, if you guys listening have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail dot com. In addition to Sentai Saturdays, we've got all kinds of spinoff shows: Transformers Tuesdays, Mobile Suit Mondays. We've got comic books motherfucker do you read them we've got our fan holes podcast proper so you can check out all those shows of course we appreciate all the likes and feedback we get on the social media facebook tumblr twitter instagram we can be streamed on stitcher radio and we are on itunes so we appreciate all the likes and feedback that we get on there so until the next time guys this is going to be derek derek wc signing off bye and this is justin grow big and strong okay Olay. Gumba, 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 gumba. Dude, I, I want that guy to make some wishes with. I'm, I'm all, I'm all about that. You better make them interesting wishes, yeah, though. They, oh yeah, they're gonna totally be. He's totally gonna be amused by my wishes. <laughs> and don't have any ghosts around. <laughs>